church, how are we this morning? Let's stand and sing together. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much
I think most of you guys know this song. It's an oldie but a goodie. So sing this one out with me. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. Come on, sing it out. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God.
sings my soul. God, you are so amazing, and it is so fun just to join together with other brothers and sisters and just sing to you and just worship to you. God, we don't deserve anything that you've given us, but we thank you so much for loving us, for sending your son to spill his blood and die for us so that we can have eternal life. We can never thank you enough for that. We just thank you for what we've experienced already this morning. And God, just continue to move in this place. Move in our hearts. And don't let us leave here unchanged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, thanks. <laughs> well, uh, this morning so far, we've been singing to the God who created all things. Um, he created light just by speaking one word. And that same God loves you. And even though he's a big God and he does powerful things, he cares about the details. And he wants for you to experience victory in your life. And that's exactly the reason why he sent Jesus. Um, over 2000 years ago, Jesus came to earth to live as a man. And then when he was 33 years old, he died on a cross only to be resurrected three days later. Yeah. And because he was God in the flesh, he possessed the power to overcome death itself. But the cool thing is, is that through a relationship with Jesus, we have the opportunity to possess the same power to overcome the things in our lives that try to destroy us. So this morning, we're gonna take part in communion so that we can remember that sacrifice and so that we can celebrate the freedom that we have in Him today. Um, so if you look around, there's tables on the um, edge of your seats and there's gonna be bread on those tables. And what you'll do is take that piece of bread, dunk it into the bowl of juice. Um, the bread represents the body of Christ and the juice represents his blood. You'll also see some communion cards on your chairs when you came in this morning. That just kind of explains what communion represents. And if this is something new for you this morning, um, don't feel any pressure to partake in that. Um, if it's something new, just sit back, relax, be patient with us as we go through this. Um, after I pray, you guys can go ahead and go to the tables that are uh, closest to you. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning, for this time of worship, God, that we get to come and remember and take part in the sacrifice that you made for us, that you made a way for us to have a relationship with your only son, Jesus, and that we can have the power to overcome every day. And we thank you for that, and we love you, and I pray that we would just reflect on this time and what you've done for us. And I pray, like Kevin said, that no one leaves today unchanged.
and we love you so much. Amen. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursed tree bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all alone would you guys stand and sing with us oh Praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise, O oh Lord, O oh Lord our God. And on the break of dawn the son of heaven rose again oh trample death where is your sting the angels roar for Christ the King come on let's sing this out oh praise the 
robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night then I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face incredible day today. Lord, thank you that we can just be reminded of that through communion. It can be a somber time, but it's such a celebratory time, God, to know that you conquered death. You trampled it. And you did it for me. Thank you, God. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning. Happy Veterans Day. Welcome to Springwell. Yeah. If you uh, have served uh, this morning, we want to take a moment uh, just to thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, we're going to talk about sacrifice a little bit in just a minute. But uh, for those of you who have served, it's really because of you that we're able to walk into this room and uh, we're able to worship and uh, have no fear of doing it. Uh, we know that uh, we're allowed to do that in this country. There's uh, places all over the world this morning that are worshiping and they're having to hide to do it. And so uh, thank you for those of you who uh, sacrificed so that we could be here this morning. Uh, last night, uh, I was talking uh, during first service about this. I had the uh, chance to have dinner with uh, one of our band members. His name is Chase. You might know him. He plays drums, uh, guitar. He explained to me that the guitar on this side and this side, it's both guitar. Did y'all know this? But one's a lead and one's a rhythm. I don't know which is which, but they're playing different things, but they're both guitars. So he plays guitar, he plays bass, and he plays drums. And uh, he's been here uh, playing since he was 16 years old. He just turned 30. And uh, he was telling me that, uh, yeah, yeah. He was telling me last night that uh, that's 14 years of faithful commitment starting off as a teenager and uh, so many people say that they have no drive and no desire to uh, to serve uh, he proved that theory wrong I asked him a question I said Chase how, how long does it take like to prepare he said typically about 15 hours a week and uh, then Thursday nights they come they're not going to tell you this but they come at six o'clock 
And they're back up on Sunday morning. They open the door for everybody else. They're here at 7 a.m. on Sunday. No pay, just because they want to serve. So I asked Chase, why? You could play on any stage. The man's good. Why would you play here for free? He said, that's easy. It's the most important thing I do all week because it matters. See, what I want you to know this morning is that the people behind me understand sacrifice. They lead us in worship every week after practicing, making sure they know what they're doing. Next door in the kids' building, there's men and women who uh, would love to be in this room. They'd love to be sitting where you are. But they know there's four-year-olds that need to know about Jesus too, and so they're over there serving. It's because people sacrifice that this place runs week after week after week, and it's not just for us that they do it. It's worship. It's worshiping Jesus. The one that we raise our hands to He's more than just holding our hands in the air. He's worth our sacrifice. This morning, I want to give everyone in this room a chance to sacrifice on a little different level. This week, I was also talking to a lady who lost her job a few months ago, and she's currently looking for a new job. She comes uh, as uh, really a, a boss at her previous job, and large income, but she said, now I don't have that, but I still give. See, it's not about how much, it's about the sacrifice. Some of us in this room, we have a lot to give. This morning, I'm gonna ask you to give it up to sacrifice. Some of us in this room don't have a lot, and it doesn't matter. It's about the heart. It's a heart that allows a 16-year-old kid to start leading us in worship and continuing to do it today. And it's a heart that keeps this place running week after week after week. So thank you for giving. We try to make it just as easy as we can. And uh, we really give you four different ways to give here. There's a card on your seat. Just wanted to provide this for you so you could take it home or put it in your purse. It just lists all the different ways that you can give to this church. And one of those ways is to text give. You can text the number that's on this card. It'll also be on the screen in just a minute. Just text an amount to that number and they'll take it from there. Uh, Literally just text an amount to the number. Uh, You can also give on a kiosk in the lobby. There's one on this side of the auditorium uh, to your left. and you can give right there. You can also give uh, online, springwell.org slash give. So many of you set up automated giving. Thank you for doing that. That gives us the ability to uh, project our expenses each week and to know what's coming in. So thank you for being willing to do that. And you can also just do it the old fashioned way if you want to, that's fine with us. Uh, You can give in the bucket. And so I wanna give you a chance to do that this morning. If you're on the left of the row, you can just pass that bucket to your right. morning. Sometimes I always feel like when David and I like talk back to backs, like the people that don't know us are like, are they related? Yes, we are. 
Um, hope everybody's doing good. Uh, I told the first service this, but I mean it this time. I love you. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I meant it then, too. Don't tell them I said that. Uh, no, I really do. I, I, I love um, being a part of, of Springwell, and I love that uh, you let uh, me and my family love on you. Um, uh, it's, it's nice. Sometimes life gets um, under your skin. I don't know if y'all ever experienced any tough times in life. Um, but pastors are not immune to those. Um, but it's good, to, um, it's good to get to worship with some people that you love. And there's something about, um, there's something about Sundays that just kind of picks you up. And uh, so I just wanted to, I wanted to tell y'all that. Don't tell the first crowd that uh, I didn't mean it then, okay? Uh, let's, go ahead and, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, if you have a cell phone this morning, go ahead and take it out. If, if, if you're under the age of like 16, you're excited because I asked you to get your cell phone out in church. So it's totally cool. If you don't have a cell phone, then you can just use your hands. We're going to take a picture, okay? Um, not, don't, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Not of yourself. Nobody's going to take a picture of you, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up your, your camera app. Um, and I want you to find something in the room to take a picture of, okay? Preferably not like somebody you don't know across the room because that's creepy, okay? <laughs> maybe it's the person sitting beside you. Maybe it's their significant other. Maybe it's the wall, um, whatever it might be, but find something to take a picture of. If you, if you just have your hands, just hold your hands up. It's cool. You could have left your cell phone in the car, whatever, um, but I want, you to, I want you to take a picture. Now, some of you, y'all smile because I'm taking a picture of y'all. Now, some of you, um, some of you just took a selfie, and let me just say that you need to be in church this morning because you have some pride issues. Um, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Um, but even if you did take a selfie, the illustration will still, will still count. When, you take, when we take a picture, um, we only see one side of it, don't we? Like this picture I just took, there's only one side to this photo. I don't, in this picture, because I... Um, I'm not conceited and did not take a selfie. I'm just kidding again, sorry. Um, but that picture does not show me. Like, I'm not in that photo. I can't, I can't see what, what the expression on my face looks like. I can't see what, what my hair looks like. I can't see what I'm wearing. I'm only seeing, like, one, one side of it, right? I mean, a lot of the pictures, if you think about the pictures that you take, the pictures that I have as my baby boy don't show me on the other side crying and sleep-deprived, do they? All they show is him, cute little baby boy, sitting in his little bassinet thingy, whatever you call that thing. They don't show but, but one side. But here's the thing, is oftentimes when you go back and you look at a picture, you only have happy memories because you only see one side of the photo when you know that on that vacation, you had the worst fight with your family you've ever had. But in that picture, you're standing in front of the beach, you're all dressed in white shirts and dark jeans, and you're smiling, right? Some of y'all have that picture. You're like, deleting that one off of Facebook. But you only, see, you only see one side. And here's the problem with only seeing one side, is that as long as we see one side of a thing, we don't have a full understanding of it. For, for some of you, you have multiple children, and you know that when they get in an argument that happens once every year, when they, get in an, when they get in an argument, you know that you have to hear both sides of that argument in order to know what really happened, don't you? If you, if you take an investigation, like a police investigation, they want to see all sides of an argument. They want to hear uh, eyewitness accounts. They want to hear from the people involved. They want to see surveillance video. They want to see everything they can so that they can see all sides of the thing. For some of us, we, um, we are only with people like us. We've been in the same spot all the time, and so we only have one side of culture, right? But the problem with only seeing one side is oftentimes we have a misunderstanding of the entire, entire picture. This morning, I want to talk for just a few moments from this subject. You can write this down because you, ha you have your cell phone out. Do not play on Facebook. Type this out. There's another side. There's another Side. Last week, Pastor Scott uh, started this series called Timeless. And during the series, we, we're talking about what worship means, what it looks like, because it's such a cool thought. As the, as the old song says, when we get to heaven, we've been there 10,000 years, and it's like we first begun. Worship is timeless. We serve a timeless God who's always been, who will always be, who's never changing, who never, uh, never goes away, never forgets about us. We serve a timeless God, and worship, therefore, will be timeless because it will always exist. 
Bible gives some beautiful pictures of what eternity is going to look like with people worshiping God on the throne, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, with every voice proclaiming that he is, that he is Lord. Worship is timeless. But I think that for a lot of us, especially those of us that have been in church for a little while, and I think those of you that are kind of new to church, you have a misunderstanding too, based off of those of us that have been in church, is we've only seen one side of worship. And so when we think about worship, we think about going to worship. We think about worship through giving. We think about worshiping to music. We think of listening to um, his radio in the car. Family friendly, right? Some of you. You can sing the jingle right now. We think about worship, and we think about it just in this concept. Maybe it's something that we watch. We can watch on YouTube. We can watch a live stream, or we can come here on Sunday morning, and we can hear some really cool songs, and we can watch people raise their hand. We can watch them sing. But oftentimes, I think we only have one side of the full picture of what worship really looks like. And I think one of the reasons we do is because we don't have a full view of who Jesus really is. Because worship, our worship, As a a Christ follower, our worship isn't something manufactured, it's a response. It's a response that when we fully realize the whole entire picture of who Jesus is, it's a response. There's nothing that we can do except worship, but there's another another side to worship. I want to talk just for a few minutes from John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and uh, there's a story of this lady who kind of begins to get a full picture and sees every side of who Jesus is. She has this encounter with Jesus. She sees every side of Jesus, and it begins to change how she worships. Just to kind of set this passage up, Jesus is, in John chapter 4, he's gaining followers. He's called his disciples. As a matter of fact, he's gaining so many followers that the religious people of the day, the Pharisees, are getting upset because he's gaining more and he's baptizing more people than John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. And so because they're keeping score and they like this John guy, they're kind of putting some pressure on him because his score is adding up and to, to higher than the guy that they really like, John the Baptist. And so Jesus, it's not his time to die yet, so he escapes this pressure by these religious scorekeepers and he's on his way from Judea back to, to Galilee. He could have taken several different routes. He could have gone along the Mediterranean Sea. He could have, if you look at a, a map, if you Google it, he could have crossed over the Jordan River. Both of those routes were extremely out of the way. And, and let me just say, like, that doesn't make sense to me, okay? Because I don't like to wait. I don't like to wait in traffic. Like, I can be at the mall and really want one of those pretzels. But when I see the line, I suddenly don't want a pretzel. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I don't like to wait. So none of those routes make sense to me. The one that does make sense is that he could go straight through Samaria to get from Judea to Galilee. Now, the customs of the time, these Jewish people would go a roundabout way because they did not want to go through Samaria. The Jewish people of the time despised the Samaritans. They saw the Samaritans as kind of a, a mixed race. They were part Jew, part Gentile, and so they despise him. As a matter of fact, there's, there's record of some of these Pharisees actually praying that the Samaritans never rise at the resurrection. At the end of time, they never get to experience eternity with God because of, just because of, of where they were from. So racism has kind of always been a, been a thing, hasn't it? So anyway, so Jesus decides that he could do what everybody else does and go around the world and go miles out of the way, or he could do what Jesus often does and completely disrupt the times, completely disrupt what culture says to do. And so even though most of his people, the Jewish people, want to avoid the Samaritans, Jesus chooses that exact route. I think because, partly because it, he, was, he was holy and so he wanted to get there fast, that's for me, but also because Jesus is always willing to break the norm to be with people that are broken. So if you're here this morning, just, this, is, this is free, you didn't pay at the door for this one. If you're here this morning and you feel ignored and you feel rejected and you feel left out and you feel devalued, you are in a perfect spot because Jesus always seeks out the broken to be his best. And that's what he does right here. And so he's like, I'm not going out of the way. I'm going to disrupt the norm, and I'm going straight through Samaria. This would have been awkward for him and his people, but it would have also been awkward for the Samaritans because they 
didn't experience this sort of thing. So Jesus chooses to go. He arrives around noon at a well called Jacob's Well. It's noon. It would have been a time for embarrassed people to be at the well because it was the heat of kind of the heat of the day. Um, to, to draw water at that point of the day would have given off a certain, um, people would have known why this lady was there. But Jesus sits down at this well. He's tired. He's hungry. He's thirsty. So he sends his disciples into town to get some food. Meanwhile, he sits beside this lady and asks her for a drink of water. So they're hanging out on this well. He asks her for a drink of water. And this is what she says. Watch as she slowly realizes all of the sides of who Jesus is. She slowly realizes that there's another side. This is what she says after he asks her for some water. She says, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So I want us to put together a little sentence this morning of this lady as she begins to realize and she begins to hear every side of who Jesus is. The first one, Jesus is a good man. Jesus, she realizes and she hears that he is a good man. This lady knew that he wasn't supposed to be there that day. Like this, this, lady, this lady knew that this was odd. Like she knew the reputation that not only her people had, but she would have had by coming to the well this day. And she looks at Jesus. Jesus asks her for a drink and she's confused by it because she knows that it's not supposed to be. You know, I know that you know you've done some things and you are not supposed to be. You've done some things, you have a past and you are not supposed to be according to everybody else. But she says, what? You're, you're not supposed to be associating with me. She realizes that, that he's a good man. And so this kind of piques her interest. Have you ever maybe like known a group of people didn't like you? Or maybe it was a, a family Maybe you're in the middle of kind of a dispute, but yet someone from that group of people reached out to you, and you knew, you just knew it was genuine. You knew it wasn't fake, but it was genuine, and so something clicked in you, and it changed your perception. That's what's happening with this lady. She realizes that he's a good man. My question to you this morning, do you realize Jesus is good? I know. I know. Sometimes it's hard, right? Right? I mean, sometimes life situations do not look like Jesus is good. But I bet if you look back, if you look back and begin to put some pieces together, you would see the goodness of God in your life. Even if you're not a Christ follower, God has some common grace. He's taking care of you too. But if you look back at your life, you would, you would have some moments where you met that person. How did I meet them? You married that person? How did she ever pay attention to me? Am I right, Coop? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came. But you, you, you look at back at your life, and, and, and you couldn't see it then when you were in it. Right now, you're in it, right? You're deep in it. You're deep in the deep stuff, if you get what I'm trying to say. You're deep in it. But if you look back, if you look back at what used to be, if you look back at the you you used to be, if you look back at the relationships you used to have, if you look back at high school, if you look back at college, if you look back at that near accident or that car accident you had, if you look back at your children, if you look back, you can see that Jesus has been good to you. She says, he's a good man. So Jesus explains, he's like, Listen, if, if you just knew who I was, some of you, that's what Jesus is saying to you this morning. If you would just open your mind to who I am, it would change everything. But he's like, if you, just, if you just knew who I was, like you wouldn't have gone into this debate and like had this, this thing of, hey, you're a Jew, you're not supposed to be talking to me. He's like, you would have offered me something like right away. And the woman responds, verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. The second part of our little sentence is he's a good man better than any other. He's a good man better than any other. The reason she brings Jacob into this thing, like she's not name dropping, but she's legitimately bringing Jacob into this thing because Jacob is kind of like the measuring stick to her when it comes to a good person. The Samaritans would have 
um, would have believed that they were direct ancestors of, of the Old Testament, Jacob. And Jacob gave them this well. He even drank from this well at one time, is what they would say. And so her measuring stick for good was Jacob. Well, she's starting to realize, and she's asking, and she's being inquisitive, because Jesus is showing to her that, hey, I am better than any other. I am better than what you think is good. I am better than what you've been holding on to. This morning, I don't, I don't know what your measuring stick of good is, but I know that Jesus is better. Like, for some of you this morning, I know, I know you want to fit in. Like, I know you want to fit in, and so your measuring stick of what good is and your measuring stick of what fulfills you have been Facebook comments, have been Facebook friends, have been Instagram likes. For some of you, it's a relationship that you've been chasing. That is your version of good. For some of you, it's a relationship. It's, it's, somebody, it's somebody around you that you've been trying to win approval of. For some of you, it's if your kids would just do this, that's your version of good this morning. I want you to know that whatever your measuring stick is, Jesus is better. He's better. And it may not seem like it on the surface. On the surface, that alcohol seems better right now. You think that's going to do more for you. On the surface, it seems like winning their approval, being friends with her, dating her, dating him, it seems like that's going to be better. This lady is starting to realize and what Jesus wants her to know and what he's calling us to know today is he's calling us to know that whatever your measuring stick is, it's going to fall short. There's more. There's better, if better stuff is your appetite, you'll always be hungry. Did you catch that? If better stuff, whether it be possessions, whether it be a feeling, whether it be someone's attention, whatever it is, if better stuff is your appetite, you will always be hungry. But if you allow Jesus to become your fulfillment, you'll never be empty. It's all about perspective. It's all about your, your, your measuring stick. For some of us this morning, you've been trying your, to, to get your, your stuff to measure up to your version of good. You need to change your version of good. It's not that the stuff that you've been after is bad. It's just it's not worth being the measuring stick. And so time after time, you've been trying for something. You've been, you've, been, you've been jumping for something. You've been trying to touch something. And what it is is you feel, you, you, you feel disgusted because you can't quite reach it every time. And the problem is, it's not what you're trying to do to reach it, but it's what you're trying to reach. Because it keeps moving on you, doesn't it? Like you think, just, if I can just get here, I'll be good. You get there, nah, this wasn't what I thought. If I could just get here, I'll be good. You get there, that's nah, not quite what I thought. And so you're, you're jumping, you're always, you're running, you're running from thing to thing. You've got to change your, your version of, of what's good. One of the things that I'm learning is, as I do get a little older, some of you are like, you're really young, but I'm always getting older, see? Any of y'all can say that, by the way. One of the things I'm learning is that my version of good is like setting inside of me. In other words, what I've always thought was good as the more that I live, the more I realize that stuff can't sustain me. Sometimes life will get that out of you, won't it? So when you're left with nothing, you're left with no one, you come crashing down and it's because your measuring stick of good hasn't been worthy. This lady realizes that he's a good man, he's better than any other, he's better than this thing that I've always thought was, was the pinnacle. Jesus explains to her that the water he provides will keep her from going thirsty again. And he's not talking about physical water. He's talking about a fulfillment. He's talking about that version of good. He's saying, if you just, if, I'll give you water and you'll never thirst again. He talks about that and she asks him, like, how can I get that? Like, I want some of that. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, give me some of that, right? Like, if, if I can have water that I don't ever go thirsty again, give me some of that, right? It's like, I have the world's best hot wings. Give me some, you know what I'm saying? Give me some of that. You want that. And so that's what she wants. And this is how Jesus responds. Verse 16. He says, go call your husband and come back. Verse 17. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Number eight, or verse 18. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you are a prophet. This, this is like a reality show before reality shows are around, isn't it? 
Verse 20, I, I, I love this, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in a second, but look, look how quickly she changes the subject. It's like you're asking your child, how did you do on the test? I love you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Verse 20, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. He's a good man, better than any other, worth listening to. A good man, better than any other, worth listening to. There's so much in these verses, and if, if you're kind of a Bible nerd, if you want to dive into these, I would, I would recommend doing that. There's so much in those, those few verses that I just read, but, but the short of it is Jesus just made this lady's ears perk up, right? Let's say you're having lunch at Wendy's, getting the four for four this week. No, okay. Uh, <laughs> faster salary. Just say you're at Wendy's, <laughs> getting the four for four this week, and somebody comes up to you that you've never met, they sit right beside you, and they begin to tell you the name of your ex-wife, your ex-husband, your current wife, your current husband, the boy or girl that you dated in high school, the names of your kids, and you've never met this person, and you cannot find a common, a common friend or a common acquaintance. Wouldn't that get your attention? Like, this is like that, but like, I can imagine like she hears Jesus, and she's a little bit weirded out by it, but she's not creeped out by it because she can tell there's something, there's something here that he's worth listening to. As a matter of fact, she says, I can tell that, I can tell you're a prophet. A prophet is someone who, 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 who knows, who, who can speak truth, who, who speaks out the truth or speaks the, the future truth. She's like, I can tell you're a prophet. I can tell you're worth, you're worth listening to. Do you know that Jesus is worth listening to? Like, for many of us, the reason our worship suffers is because we've Turn Jesus off. Follower of Christ, what, what does that look like for you? Do you make church a priority? Do you carve out just a few minutes of your day to, to talk to him, to spend time with him? I would love to help you do that. If you'll, if you'll find me in the lobby or email me, I would love to help you structure that time. But do you know that Jesus is, is worth listening to? Do you know that he's worth listening to more than the other voices that are inside your head? When he whispers to you and you're, and you're so mad at what you just did, like you knew you shouldn't have done it, do you know that he is worth listening to because he's a good man, better than any other? He's worth listening to when he says, I forgive you. When you're battling with this idea of who you really are, like you don't even, you don't even know, like you should have known you're an adult with kids yourself, but yet you still just don't know who you are and you battle with this identity idea. Do you know that he's worth listening to when he says, you're my child, you're enough? Jesus is, is worth listening to, and that's such another side of worship that so often we leave out because we're busy raising our hands and we're busy singing out, but oftentimes we forget to listen up. This lady's coming to this realization on a casual day, sitting at the well, coming to, coming to draw some water, and I love how she quickly tries to divert the attention. Like, she gets all up in her business and she quickly starts talking about worship. But isn't that funny? Isn't that what we often do is talk about worship? Like, it seems like sometimes we're really good at, at doing the Christian culture thing. If you've been a believer, you're, like, you're really good at beginning to, to talk. You kind of have that deep voice or, you know, you, 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 you bless other people. And people ask you how you're doing. You say blessed and highly favored, which I have no idea what that means. But we, we get really good at, at, at talking. And what this lady's trying to do is she's trying to talk her way into this worship conversation. Meanwhile, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, listen, I want to talk, talk about the real stuff. Like, I'm okay with the real stuff. He's okay with the real you. And he's worth listening to because he meets you in a place while you're doing that thing, just like he met this lady in Samaria. Because not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a woman. You see, Jesus completely changed that system. Jesus meets her where she is. But there's another side. Verse 23. Jesus is talking, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. 
When he comes, he will explain everything to us. In verse 26, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. So let's conclude our run-on sentence. You ready? A good man, better than any other, worth listening to and worth following. This lady is about to leave some stuff behind to follow Jesus because she knows that she has to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the other side of worship. If our worship is just something we sing out and never live out, we've fallen short of what worship really means because there's another side. If our worship is full of just talking or full of even giving, but yet we fail to follow, we're missing an entire side of what Jesus really wants worship to be. There's a lot of, there's, kind of, there, there's some debate around the word spirit there. The word is, is pneuma, and normally in scripture it means the Holy Spirit, but there's, there's some debate here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read what some people a lot smarter than me said that I copied and pasted, okay? Uh, it, it could be associated with power, value, angelic existence, even just kind of a consciousness itself. So in other words, what he could be saying is he could be saying that like everything is in worship. Like everything is, is worship. Everything is in worship. Worship is just kind of this big umbrella, big idea concept. But most people, because most of the time in the New Testament when the same word is used, most people would say this means the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus would be telling her then is, when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit indwells inside of you, comes into you. It's the thing that tells you, eh, don't do that. It's the thing that says, talk to that person. It's the thing that says, pray for that person. It's the thing that says, don't kill your kids even though they're acting. You know what I'm saying? It's that thing. And so what it very well could mean is to walk by that. But here's the key. Here's the cool thing is that either way, what Jesus is telling this lady is there's another side to worship because either way, you worship me in spirit. In other words, you worship me in everything you do. You worship me at all times. It's not something you sing, it's something you do. He's telling this lady, worship me in spirit and in truth. In other words, act like me because I am the truth. He's worth following. Look at how seeing this changes this lady just a few verses later. Verse 28 says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? Do you see the radical change in this lady? Like from the second she sat down by this well to get some water to where she gets to, there's a radical change because the picture of who Jesus is begins to be unveiled. She begins to see him from every side, from every angle, and so it changes her life. And what it says is it says that she left her water jar behind. It's kind of like going to Walmart, fighting the traffic, waiting in line, trying to reach the top shelf because there's only one left in the very back. Fighting through, the, fighting through everyone because there's like two, two lines open. And then leaving the very thing you came after in the parking lot. What this lady realized is that worshiping God usually requires us leaving something behind. Something that we like. For, for some of you, and, 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 and I know this, for some of you this morning, you have been trying to give God your life and there's that thing that doesn't necessarily seem bad. Everybody else could be doing it. Everybody else can live with it. But for you, you need to leave it behind because it's hindering your following Jesus. It's hindering your worship. It's hindering you worship from the other side. Maybe, maybe it's a habit. Maybe, maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it's a possession that you've always just kind of held on to and it's not that bad. It's not a bad thing, but it, there, there's something about it. it. It keeps you from doing the things that you know you should do. Worship usually requires, always requires, I'll even say, I'll dare to say, us leaving some things behind that we think aren't that bad. Some of you, when I said that, something immediately came to your mind. That's it. What is God calling you to, to leave behind? Because there's another, there's another side. Paul, who uh, was an uh, early believer he, uh, he would kill Christians at one point and then 
God radically changes his life. He literally gets knocked off his high horse and meets Jesus. So he begins to, to plant these churches and try to reach people with this message that he knows firsthand. He would write much of the New Testament. He would, he would put it like this in Romans, which is a letter to some people at a church in Rome. This is what he would say. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What he's saying is he's saying worship is transforming. It transforms you. It transforms those people around you. It transforms your relationship with God. It transforms your relationship with, every, with, with the people around you. It, it's transforming because it comes from all sides, because it's everything you do. It's not in a song you sing. It's not in a hand you raise, but it's in literally everything you do. Christian, how are you doing at worshiping Monday through Saturday? Worship is the only thing that you can give God that he doesn't have. every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. If you're in here this room this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, that's the, you've got to leave some stuff behind. But you've got to change your measuring stick. The reason you feel empty, the reason it feels like you can never get there, is because your measuring stick's wrong. Jesus is wanting you to listen to him this morning and he is, he's knocking and you haven't known what it is for a long time. You've played it off in a lot of different things and you said one day when and, but yet you continue not to hear physically, but you just feel that. That's God speaking to your heart, asking you to, to open up your life to him. Not that you'll be perfect, you'll be fulfilled. This morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just in the the quietness of this moment, or you can say it out loud, whatever you want to do, just say, Jesus, I believe you're a good man. You're better than anything else. This morning, I'm listening to you. I'm going to follow you. I give you my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose. This is the first day of my new life. Everything I have is yours. Jesus' name. For everybody else in the room, what is your measuring stick of good? And how is that going to change the way you worship him on all sides? Also, what what is your water jar? What do you need to leave behind that could be really bad for you? Could be okay for you, but it's just dragging you down. And you just need to forget about it. You need to leave it behind. Because Jesus is calling you to follow him. The end of this story is this lady would go back to her village or her town and she would tell everyone what happened and they would end up going from people that had, didn't have a lot of encounter to the Jews to begging Jesus to stay for a few days and he did that and the Bible says that many in Samaria believed because this lady was willing to worship Jesus she was willing to see Jesus from all sides as a matter of fact her words weren't let me tell you they were come and see come and see what what Jesus is doing, see who he is, see what he's all about. The way that people can see today is you can't call them to physical Jesus, but you can let them see him through you. Come and see. That's worship. God, thank you. Thank you for being willing to reach into the lives of the broken. God, we're not from Samaria, but many of us feel disqualified and disowned left out. God, thank you for meeting us right where we are. For being willing to reveal yourself and being patient with us. For going the whole way 
So all we have to do is respond. In Jesus' name, amen.